look at, at wealth for the entrepreneurs as hopefully a generational thing. And we're trying to correct some imbalances that have happened where people who come from rural backgrounds or from uh, poor backgrounds in urban cities or minorities or uh, uh, women-owned businesses, anybody that has been disadvantaged for one reason or another to make sure that they can be set up on that same page that they see other successful business owners set up where they're able to do these things they wanna do with their life and pass that wealth down onto their children and grow something out of it. Welcome to episode eight of the Communities Unlimited podcast. We call it Small Talk. We are with Rhett Douglas today in Memphis. Rhett is a senior management consultant on the uh, entrepreneurship team. We refer to it as the E-team, if you hear us say that, the E-team. Stands for entrepreneurship. Rhett, uh, welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. And uh, I want to start basically by you telling us what the E-team, the entrepreneurship team does. Got it. Yeah, so... The E-team at Communities Unlimited is in charge of helping small businesses grow. And at the end of the day, if we help small businesses grow, then we did what we came to do. The specifics and the opportunities are kind of ever-shifting. It just depends on what the business's needs are. But a lot of it starts with their uh, business model and making sure that they have a business model that is profitable and that they understand it and that they are the right person to run it because sometimes you can have a good idea and maybe not be the best person to be at the wheel. So what we find is businesses that are in what we call a turnaround state, a lot of times that they were profitable at some point and then things have happened. COVID did a a huge number on small businesses or maybe it's something personal in their life that has made the business not profitable anymore and they're trying to figure out, can we turn this thing around? So if we meet them at that point, it's a matter of looking at their historical financials and figuring out what things have changed and what factors they can control to change it back in a good direction. Uh, And that may be that they need to revamp their business model or do a different kind of marketing than they've been doing or look at reducing staff. Unfortunately, that could happen and reducing inventory maybe. A lot of different options, but it's us getting in there with the client, learning their business model, figuring out, you know, what does the market data tell us? What does historical data tell us? And then using that information to try and figure out the best path forward for them in that scenario and giving them the tools they need to empower them to take that path and to take the steps down it. How do you get there? I know that's a broad question, but like... You just, I mean, you're talking about a full spectrum, small business consultancy where I'm sure you lean on other people for information to find an answer that somebody may ask you. But I mean, man, how do you, how do you get there? How do you do it? Yeah, it's, it's crazy work because when I log in in the morning, I never really know what's going to happen. There, there's so many times where I've met with a client who has a type of business that I've heard of before. I've helped a client with that kind of business before and they're never really the same, even though I'm like, yeah, I know how this kind of business works and I know what they're going through and everything. There's always some kind of curveball where it's like, I've never even heard of that. I was just, I think we were talking earlier about this other client I had that they're, I thought they were going to sign a lease agreement with a, a business, uh, uh, a retail space. And they signed a partnership agreement with a business that owns a retail space. I was like, I didn't, I didn't even know you could do that. So I had to research. I was like, what do you, what does this agreement imply for your, you know, profit sharing and, and how does this impact your financials and everything? So yeah, it's, it's always a case of like, I'm constantly doing research. I'm constantly reading. I'm asking the other consultants on the team. We are, at the time of this recording, uh, 14 people on the E-team. So there's always somebody that knows something I don't know. And I'm always trying to enhance my knowledge base and learn from the people that have you know, either lived through this or they've read about it or they've helped somebody with it and they can share that with me. So I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel when I come across a problem. 
So is it fair to say that when people interact with the E-team, the entrepreneurship team at CU, they're really interacting with a team and not just a consultant? Yeah. A lot of times our one-on-one consultant services are behind the scenes, you know, two or three on one. We consult with each other about issues. And, you know, if I'm looking at a client's financials and I'm, I'm thinking, hey, I don't know if this lines up. Obviously, I'm looking at it to try and analyze it myself, but I might loop in somebody else that has more of an accounting background than I do and say, do you see what I see on this balance sheet? Does this look right to you? Or I'll bring in somebody that has more experience with marketing and I'll say, hey, I'm trying to help this client figure out how to do this marketing thing. Do you know anything about that? So we always talk to each other about our you know, issues that we're having, how we can best serve the client and their problems that they're facing. It takes a village. I mean, just to, to get things that feel minor at the end of the day, maybe, but, but to get them done in a way that makes the client perform better. So you are a senior management consultant. Um, we have management consultants on our team as well. Uh, what's the difference there? So the senior management consultants are more in charge of the administrative work of the E-team in terms of the grants that we have. We're, we're doing grant reporting, uh, tracking those metrics, and keeping up with the staff in terms of our hours that we're spending on client engagements and reporting back to Cynthia, the director of entrepreneurship, regarding uh, the performance of the team and, and those kind of issues. And, and just in general, trying to be uh, oversight and mentor for the, the new hires that they're coming on board and they're getting that experience. So we're also training staff on the tasks internally and uh, some client-facing stuff as well. How did you get there, Rhett? Wow. Um, <laughs> I know it's a big question. Yeah, but. sure. So I was born in Memphis, born and raised in Memphis. And my dad was kind of my role model for business experience. Um, he was a salesman and I don't, I don't know that he ever actually owned his own business, but he always had a really positive view of small business owners that kind of put in my mind that that was a thing that was a good, good thing to be. And so when I was growing up, you know, trying to think about like, what do I want to do? It was always in the, in the context of like, what business do I want to run? You know, I was thinking of it and it, it felt childish at the time because I didn't have a business plan or anything else, but I was always thinking about, you know, stuff like that. And when I went to college, I was thinking that I wanted to own my own recording studio. I wanted to be, I wanted to be a musician, but I knew that like, practically speaking, you got to make some money. So I knew that the guys making the money were running the thing. So I thought, I'll make, make my own studio. And um, that didn't pan out. Uh, but I did, when I uh, graduated from college, I, I got my MBA at Christian Brothers University. And from there, was referred to a company that needed a, a salesman. So I, I got hired on their sales team and working there, my boss and I started talking about this dream, like running our own business. And what we ended up doing was franchising. It was a food service, uh, it was a restaurant and a, a gelato shop. And so when we started that, it was it was like, Nuts. I mean, the the volume was just lying out the door, cars wrapped around the building. Uh, I was working, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 hour days sometimes. And um, I actually ended up in the hospital. Uh, I was just um, stressed and and I was bleeding. I was losing internally bleeding and I had to get a lot of blood uh, transfusions. And so that was kind of a, a warning sign for me to say, hey, like your body will shut down if you don't take care of it. You need to like control what you're doing and, and get a handle on it. And so I think after that moment, I started to look at running a business uh, less of like, you have to be in every single role and do every single job and more of like, you need to learn how to delegate and you need to learn how to take control of the things you can control and for the rest of it to, to ride it out and figure it out. That was right when COVID broke out. So we stopped doing so well at that point. I had to walk away from that company. Unfortunately, I was really upset about it because, you know, it was, we were finally getting to do what I wanted to do. But after that time, I found CU looking for 
uh, previous business owners who had an MBA and wanted to help out the community. So I was like, well, I got to at least apply. Thankfully, you know, Cynthia liked my uh, background and my, my attitude. And so I've been on the team since uh, October of 2020. Do you find yourself applying those same uh, lessons that you learned as a business owner? Like, don't like it sounds like you went deep, right? Do you find yourself telling people, hey, maybe back off a little bit so you don't wind up in the hospital? Yeah. And, and burnout is a very real thing for business owners that a lot of people don't talk about when they're going into ownership. You know, obviously, you got to think about the financials and you got to think about the marketing and, and things like that. But taking care of yourself and the whole person that's running the business is really important because even if the business is profitable, but especially if it's not profitable, it's not worth what you're doing if it costs you your health. And you can't have a good business if the owner is not in good health and able to enjoy the the good business that they're running. So I've I've cautioned many many of our clients about you know if you don't take some time for yourself, this business is not going to last another year. Not because it's not successful on paper, but because you physically can't sustain what you're doing. Man, that uh, that kind of personal story is always. It's so important, and I hear it across the board. Uh, I've heard it in each iteration of this podcast. Is it's, they have a personal story, and the people that we're talking to have a reason to be doing what they're doing. Okay, so let's talk about on roads for businesses to, or on ramps, I should say, to get involved with the E team. Where do we get these people? Educate people on how they can become involved and. I don't know, I guess what you guys do with them. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, sure, sure. So our network of what we call strategic partners is pretty varied and it comes uh, from a variety of sources. A lot of other nonprofit organizations that work with businesses in different um, aspects like uh, the Women's Business Center uh, here in Memphis. Uh, shout out Venetia. They're a really good resource for us, a good partner for us. We have strategic partnerships with banks and uh, CDFIs, other um, business lending companies that are partners for us. And what those partnerships look like is they will refer businesses to us if they feel that that business has a need that we can meet. So if they, maybe they're applying for a loan, let's say, and that company that's looking at the loan application says, you know what? I don't totally think you're ready for this loan, but I think I know a company that could help get you there. And so they'll reach out to the Communities Unlimited, the E-team, and they'll say, hey, got this small business owner that, you know, they've been in business for a little bit and they're trying to grow their business, but you know, their financials are not where they should be. And, and they may need a little bit of help figuring that out. Uh, we can't help them with that, but maybe you guys can, can look over it. And so we will sit down with the client and just see where they're at, you know, at the moment they engage with us. And so whatever pipeline they come through to get to us, what we're going to do is talk to them about the problems they're facing right now, where they've been and, and kind of just get their image of where they want to grow. And so whatever that image looks like, if they want to take, let's say it's a food service business and they're operating out of a food truck and they really want to be in a brick and mortar, we say, okay, well, let's let's take a look at what that might look like, what costs you're going to incur, what kind of profits you could expect to see, what kind of labor you're going to need to, to have on, on hand that you don't currently have, you know, or if it's a, a trucking business, you know, they want to get an additional truck or they want to hire an additional driver. So we got to figure out how much money is that going to take? Where is that going to come from? How are you going to be able to pay a loan off if you get approved for a loan? And are you still going to be profitable at the end of all that? Because the last thing I want to do is help them get a loan that they, you know, they can pay on paper, but, but it's taking all their profit away and they don't actually get anything out of running the business. And correct me if I'm wrong here. There are other organizations that do a similar job that CU does with entrepreneurs. But that right there is 
kind of the difference where maybe maybe our motivation is a little different than some of theirs? Is that a good way to say it? It is a good way to say it. And I, I don't want to malign any of the other no. you know resources because I think any business owner, you know, reaching a hand out for help and, and anybody willing to sit and, and take that time to work with them, I'm like, that's that's great. You know, and we do often hear from clients that have worked with other of our strategic partners. They, they have had a good experience working and it was just for a, a very specific thing. And if they come to us for a very specific thing, that's okay. But what we started doing is when we launched the uh, entrepreneurial wealth health model, the e-wealth program, we realized very quickly that this model that we're using for that program can be applied to all of our clients. And so looking at it from the top down, we start with the client's personal financial situation, you know, their household budget, what do they need to be able to pay their bills month to month and, and have some money, you know, left over. And then from that point of view of the business funds, the profits that they're taking, some of it has got to be if it's an LLC, it's an owner's draw, or maybe they've you know incorporated and they can pay as a salary, but some of it's got to go to the owner themselves. We're trying to tie that monthly budget goal that the client has set for themselves to the business's profit to make sure that that's accounted for in the business model itself to say, not only can Chris's cookies make a profit, but it can make enough of a profit that Chris can go home and afford to pay the bills he needs to pay in his monthly budget and maybe even expand, you know, his house or, or, or get a new car or something. Because we look at, at wealth for the entrepreneurs as hopefully a generational thing. And we're trying to correct some imbalances that have happened where people who come from rural backgrounds or from uh, poor backgrounds in urban cities or minorities or uh, uh, women-owned businesses, anybody that has been disadvantaged for one reason or another to make sure that they can be set up on that same page that they see other successful business owners set up where they're able to do these things they want to do with their life and pass that wealth down onto their children and grow something out of it. You talk about disadvantaged um, segments of the population. I see them all the time in the stories that we produce at CU and that we talk about and everything. But you guys really day to day live that, you know, and are interacting with those people. Is there a commonality among the businesses that you can speak to? That uh, I know that's kind of a difficult question to to answer, but is there is there a common set of challenges that you see? I mean, where people are coming from different angles, but a lot of times it sounds like it might be numbers based. A lot of times it might be that they can't get a loan or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I think um, it's probably education. I would say is the is the commonality. There's a lack of um, uh, a lack of education. I don't want to say it that way because it sounds like they're it's their fault. Um, they haven't been afforded the opportunity to have the type of education that it honestly can take uh, to, to manage a business. I mean, on paper, you can get a business, a very simple business model where it's like, I buy these resources, I pay the, the labor and the, for the lights and I sell it at this markup and, and, and then I go home. In reality, a lot of business owners have very complicated you know, financial situation because they've got maybe an existing loan that they had defaulted on and maybe there's something going on with their personal life and they've got medical bills or student bills and, and, and they're not really clear on how they're supposed to be able to make enough money to do all this stuff. And I'm always glad when we have clients that find us at all because for a lot of these people, we can give them enough of that education that they lack to be able to make those decisions and help them figure out the path forward. And we always try to do it out of a place of humility and understanding. And it's never like, oh, you know, you don't know how to do this. Like we don't approach it that way at all. We're, we're trying to tell them like, hey, I can teach you how to do that. 
I will show, we will sit down and we will go through, you know, QuickBooks or Wave Accounting or whatever it is together. And we will figure out how to put your specific model uh, into this program so that you can track your own expenses going forward. Do people... Do people believe you when you tell them <laughs> or is there a, is there a barrier when you you know what I mean? There is a barrier with our clients, I think, and it may be that overlap of, you know, disadvantaged populations that we're talking about. There's uh, a skepticism yeah. for, you know, um, free handouts, so to speak. Um, and it's not really that it's free. It's that we're able to cover the cost through, you know, other resources that we have. And so we don't have to charge those clients for the services, but they are expensive. And if the clients had to pay for them out of pocket, they likely wouldn't be able to engage with us. So I'm very grateful that we can offer these clients, you know, the services free of charge, but it does actively make it a little bit more difficult in some cases when you don't charge them because they're thinking that if it's free, it must not be worth anything or or it's a scam or, or somebody is, you know, going to bait and switch me like I am going to have to end up paying for it. So, you know, we take very careful steps when we're first engaging with a client to sit down. We have this process. It's called the initial assessment. During that time period, we're explaining to them that when they sign the scope of services that we send them, it's got a paragraph all in there about the money that is being used for this engagement is being covered by a grant, a federal grant or a private grant. And your part of that is $0. You have to pay $0 of the total amount that this does cost. And, and that usually helps them understand like, okay, this is a real value to me. And I understand why I don't have to pay it. So it's a legitimate thing. I, I can see that being a problem because I don't know if I'd believe that if I was a small business owner, uh, someone who was looking to up my game in business, because there's a lot of people that would would do similar, but at a at a cost and maybe a hidden cost. And, you know, the the, the, the credit card, uh, you know, uh, processing loan Automatic, type of yeah. things, you know, yeah. if it sounds too good to be true, it is. Well, right? I have to caution our clients about those kinds of things for other uh, parts of their business, other services that they pay for, because, you know, that can happen. And we see that with like uh, the first example I'm thinking of is, is lending where, you know, there's these predatory lenders out there where it sounds too good to be true. And it, it is because it's too good to be true, but they've gone ahead and signed up for it. And so they're having this, this, you know, daily charge on their card now that they don't, they can't get rid of it. And, and it's more money than it's worth the amount that they got. And, and they've already signed up for it. So, you know, I do have a lot of conversations with clients about, you know, being skeptical and, and making sure you're approaching things with this critical thinking lens and everything. But uh, certainly understand if they do approach us that way. But um, it's not that we're going to do anything bad. It's just that, you know, it's just because of the way we're funded, we're able to do that for them. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was getting at is how do you, how do you get past that? How do you, how do you work that uh, relationship? You know, and it's really just trust. Yeah. It's talking conversations that, you know, we have over a period of time. Um, everybody's different, certainly, but I think for the most part, if they hear a little bit about our background, you know, myself or whichever consultant is working with them, they'll be able to start to understand like, oh, okay, I get why these people are trying to help me with this. It's not some funky thing. They're really here to make sure that I can do well because they want to see me succeed. And, you know, for the most part, we can explain to them like, you know, if you do well, if we have this engagement and your business does better because of it, we can go back to the government or whoever provided this, this funding for us to help you and tell them that and say like, hey, you know, this business did better for having worked with us. And so they'll give us money to continue doing that and we can help more businesses. And that conversation usually kind of gets them on that on that train where they're like, okay, well, I want, I'm, I'm ready for you to help me do better. We're talking with Brett Douglas. He is a senior management consultant on the entrepreneurship team at Communities Unlimited. 
Unlimited. Rhett, uh, you gave us a little bit about your background and uh, how you came to be at CU and why you do what you do. I, and without, I, I, this is going to be a weird question, but without naming names, who would be the model client for you guys? Is it is it anybody or like, tell me about what that looks like. Yeah. So I, I think all of our clients uh, really do, you know, fulfill the, the need that we have to, to help improve the communities that we work in. The model client for us is somebody that is willing to engage and be open and honest with us about what's going on with their business because it can be, you know, to run a business and and have a problem where you need the resources of a business consultant, it can create feelings of shame or embarrassment or, you know, unease because it's sort of like you thought this thing was going to go different than it has gone. Now you've got to figure out why that's not working. And so there's this personal you know, guilt that can be attached to needing the help that we offer. And I always make sure to try and, and emphasize to the clients, that's never the lens that we're looking at it through. We're never you know, talking down about the client or, or, or mocking them or anything like that. We're here to help them learn and grow and, and turn things around. And if they had it all figured out, you know, we wouldn't have a job. So certainly I don't disparage them if they're, if they're struggling, but it's just such a common thing. So, but for them to be open and honest with us about what's going on because when those feelings of guilt or whatever it may be sort of override their their ability to engage with us, what ends up happening is that they will withhold documents from us or, you know, mislead us about things that are going on in the business and we're not able to help them if we can't see what's going on. So if they're willing and able to produce those documents and they're willing and able to learn and implement the changes that we recommend, that's obviously going to be the the most ideal client for us. But even when they're not in that place, sometimes it's a little bit of conversation and, and heart to heart talk and you know, sometimes it is a little bit more stern, but it's per client. Whatever it takes is at the end of the day, we're trying to make sure they have the tools they need to grow. And if they are willing to work with us to do that, then that's a model client. So when a person comes on board with you, uh, what kind of stuff are you guys talking about? Uh, obviously, getting your books in order and all that kind of stuff. But what kind of conversations are you having? Yeah. So I try and get their story first before I really dive into the questions that I have for them about the business. Because when they come to us, I will have a filled out referral form, a client intake form where it just got their basic information and maybe a little blurb from either the the referring partner or from the client themselves about what they need help with. So they might come to us and say, you know, I need help with uh, marketing. I don't understand social media marketing at all. And so I wouldn't just jump in and start helping them with social media marketing because I haven't talked to them yet. So I'm going to start the conversation and just get to know them a little bit and figure out what their business is. And the whole time that I'm trying to do that, I'm trying to push down any assumptions that I may have. I'm trying to put those to the side. Anything that I think is too obvious to ask, I'm going to go ahead and ask it because I'm always surprised by what the business owners are doing. And I never want to leave something on the table where I could have found out something really helpful or important about their business that they didn't think to say and I didn't think to ask. And then we've started this engagement. And I don't have all the pieces of information I need. So that first conversation is our initial assessment. It's really important for us to just get a handle on who this person is, where their business is, how long have they been running it? Do they know? Do they like it? Are they in with their family? Is it just a solo effort? Are they, uh, have they been doing it for a long time? Is this brand new to them? Do they have other businesses? Super important thing that I didn't think to ask when I, I first came onto the team. This happens all the time that entrepreneurs have multiple businesses. So we're trying to figure out 
which business are we working with? Really? Um, yeah. And so a lot of the, the stuff where they think, oh, I've got a problem with marketing, we'll come on to them and say, okay, well, after having this conversation with you, it really sounds like you've got a problem with your operations or you got a problem with your finances. So maybe let's attack those things first and, and triage a little bit. And then, and then we will be in a place to where if we make a change to your marketing, it will be effective. So let's talk Chris's cookies for a minute. Okay. And <laughs> let's see how we can get that going because uh, I'm going to need you to teach me how to bake. Yes. I'm going to need you to teach me how to market. For perfect. Okay. Price the cookies. Yeah. Price the cookies out. Yep. You know, doing what you do, has, I assume, has got to be pretty rewarding. And we're going to talk about that. But I also want to talk about, you know, some of the challenges. Do you ever just go, dang, man, I wish that one had gone? Yeah, it, it is really unfortunate sometimes what happens with our business owners is, and it may be because of that pride. And unfortunately, it may be because they weren't aware of our services soon enough. But what can happen is they come to us at the very end of the business's life cycle, maybe even past the very end of it and, and kind of hand us the pieces and say, can you do something with this? And it's heartbreaking because I wish I could, you know, and it's just like I could have maybe suggested something six months ago. Right now, you know, the, the best option would be look at another business. Um, and I hate that, but I can't lie to them and I can't present things to them that I know aren't true. So it does occasionally happen where we just haven't gotten there quickly enough to, to turn the thing around and it's, it's at the end of the business's life cycle. And I asked you that, Rhett, for a particular reason, because some people would tell somebody, yes, let's do X, Y, Z. Let's, let's get this thing rolling back again. When you know that that, you know, that, that, that heartbeat's not going real good. Right. It's, it's not something that I like to do. And, and, you know, even in those times where they are not going to be able to keep that business running, I try and make sure that whatever we are doing is still beneficial for the client. You know, so if I'm like, hey, you're still going to need to get your books in order because the tax man's still going to need to know you know, what happened at the end of the business here, you know, whatever that may be, it's still a useful service that I can provide to them. Even if I wasn't able to go back and say, Hey, look at this business, we increase their profit and we increase their labor and all this other stuff. You know, that can't always happen, unfortunately, but we still try and do whatever we can to make them uh, better off for having worked with us. Now let's talk about the fun stuff for just a minute here. Let's talk about the rewarding ones. What, what do you get out of that? You personally? Yeah. Well, you know, it's incidental, but because I am in Memphis, I do happen to work with a lot of Memphis-based clients and we serve, you know, clients in all of our, our regions. Um, but it is always nice for me when I'm working with a client that's in our city because I can much more easily go and visit their, their services. And a lot of times it's clients that do things that I'm interested in personally. So that's just a nice little uh, side benefit is that I get to help businesses grow in my community that want to do things that I want to see more of. So it's a lot of food service, um, ton of food that I like to eat. <laughs> um, but then other things, you know, retail clothes and shoes and, um, you know, uh, trading, uh, buy, sell, trade kind of uh, stores and uh, logistics, a lot of transportation companies. But what I get out of it is it's just good to know that somebody is is better off for having spent time with me and that I can say like, hey, at the end of the day, I did something good for the city that I live in. And that's not something I've ever been able to say about a job I've worked at that, you know, I helped improve somebody's, you know, living situation. I mean, that's, I can't even really think about that because it's so unbelievable. But 
it's wonderful to know like, hey, if somebody came and, and talked to me and, and left that engagement with a more successful business that I've made a real concrete impact on their future and maybe even their family's future. It's Red Douglas, Senior Management Consultant at Communities Unlimited. Uh, Small Talk, the CU podcast. Red, we're going to wrap this one up and we'll be back Thursday to talk to you again because I do want to talk more about uh, the work that you guys do and just war stories. Can't wait, Chris. Thanks so much.